this. Uh, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. And you know, God will use all sorts of mouths. Do you know that in the Bible, God used a donkey to speak? So we're all in line. We can all, we can all be used by God. Amen? And, and today, uh, I'm, I'm expecting God to use me to speak to you uh, what he has. But listen, not everything I say is for you today, but something that is said here today is for you. And what's critical is uh, you get, whether you're here, whether you're at home, you get what God has for you because that word that he has for you is going to strengthen you. It can heal you. It can give insight and, and revelation that will bring transformation. Uh, it's, it's, it brings liberty. And that's what God has. God has for us to continue to progress in the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. But it's a process. As much as it's done and it's finished, now we walk it out. And we walk in more freedom, more health, more, more blessing than ever before. And yet in this world, it's kind of challenging because everywhere you walk, everywhere you go, you see all sorts of things going on and realizing that this is not the way God intended it. You realize that this is a fallen world. This is not what God wanted. It's what man chose. It's where we are. But God, God is with us. God is for us to help us to experience in a fallen world the best of heaven. Amen? And, and so it's, it's, it's challenging because we do live in this world that's constantly changing and, and we're, we're not always sure of what's going to happen next. And that can cause a bit of insecurity and, and uh, it can trouble us some, but we need to realize that we're not in this world alone. Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. All right? I, I won't abandon you. Now, it doesn't mean we can't feel these things, but no matter what we feel, we don't walk by what we feel. We don't walk by what we see. We walk by the truth. And Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And, and I'm always with you, even to the end of the age. So he's always there. And we've got to recognize that. We've got to believe that. And we've got to respond to him. And we've been learning how important it is that God has given us life's best guide. And, and that's the Holy Spirit. And we, we began to look at this in Psalm 32, verse 8, in the New Living Translation. The Lord says this, I'll guide you along the what? Okay, just so you know, here at home, I'm going to ask you to read some things because, again, every time you do another aspect of, of writing it down, of saying it out loud, of reading it. Each one of those things helps reinforce it and keep it more in you than ever before. So I'm going to ask you to read just this one part. God said, I will guide you along the best pathway for who? For you and your life. God cares about you. God has a plan for you. That plan is for good and not for evil with a future and a hope. And the choice is in our hands. God has prepared everything that we would experience life and godliness. But we have to choose whether we're going to experience that or not. And so he says right here, I'll guide you along the best pathway for your life. I'll advise you and watch over you. Now, a guide is only as good as the followers behind him. A guide could lead us in the best places, but if we don't follow him, we're not going to experience the best that's possible. And then it says he'll advise us. Advice. Have you noticed that everybody wants to give you advice? 
And some of us want to give everybody advice. Okay. Wasn't a big amen on that, but that's okay. You know who you are. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I was, I was thinking about that advice. And um, for all the years that I've lived on the earth, and a lot of them up here in New York State, I got advice when I was a little kid living on Beach Street. Uh, one, of, one of the neighbors, uh, little boys, we were hanging out. We are just walking along the street. It was the middle of winter. And back then when, when you had winter, we had double-decker uh, drifts on the side of the road. They would plow up and it would be two levels high. And we would walk on the first level and just kind of stay out of the road but not in the deep snow. And as we walked along, uh, my friend looked at me. He stopped and he looked at me and he said, hey, See that yellow snow? Don't eat it. And, and it served me very well all these years. So some advice is really good, but how many of you know all advice isn't equal? Um, there was a, a grandpa who was living in the backwoods with, with his family. His grandson was with him, and he told his grandson, he said, you know, if you see a bear and you don't think you can outrun it, I, I want to tell you what to do. Now, True, this is true. I, all I do is read these things. I find these things and read these things. And, and he said, if you can't outrun the bear, hug him. He said, the reason why, and, and the grandson said, why, why, do, why would I hug him, Grandpa? Because you know bears can't scratch their tummies. I don't know. I'm not going to find out. There's no mention of the grandpa's son. I don't know if he gave him that advice and who knows what happened. But that was, you know, you've you got to know who's giving you advice. There was a, a dad, again, another true story. There was a dad that, that was uh, growing hot peppers. And at the end of the growing season, he had harvested all the peppers and he wanted to dry them and trying to determine what would be the best way to do it. And he happened to ask a neighbor who was a friend who was Amish and the friend said well why don't you just put them in the microwave you can dry them out a lot quicker that way and so he put them in the microwave hit the microwave and turned it on and immediately the kitchen filled with this acrid cloud of pepper that burned their throats and their eyes drove them out of the kitchen they're standing out in the backyard waiting for the house to air out. And, and somebody in the family said, where did you get this information from? And he said, well, from so-and-so. Well, aren't they Amish? Yeah. They don't, they don't use electric appliances. <laughs> you got to know who's telling you stuff. You know, I've been told things by people that really believe absolutely sincere, believe they know what they're talking about and have no clue. And there are times that I've been guilty of that. I've thought I knew what I was telling, the advice I was giving, and I wasn't as knowledgeable as I thought. You know, that can happen. We can get advice from any human being and that can happen. It may not be the best advice, but it will never happen when God gives us advice. When God guides us, when God governs us, when God guards us and directs us, every input by God is right. It's true. It's going to help us 
stay on the best path for life, for our life. And, and we know, we know when we get off track, just like if we drove out into the, the back country around here on some of those windy roads and we decide, well, you know what, I don't want to turn. And the road turns. All of a sudden, we'd be off-roading. And for most of us, our vehicles aren't made for off-roading and it will be difficult going. But even with, with big 4 by 4s you can get off-road and you can get stuck. And you can do damage. And whenever we go off the path of God, for whatever reason, however we got off, by ignorance, by arrogance, whatever it might be, it's going to be rough going. There's going to be a price to pay. And that's why we need, especially in these days, when navigating life is not the easiest thing to do. But you and I don't have to do it alone. As a child of God, we've got the Spirit of God in residence in us so that we can be guided by Him. And, and this morning, it's important, whether you're here, whether you're at home, uh, that, that we get the guidance that God has for us today. So I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads. We're going to pray. You invite God. I'm going to invite God. We can all pray at the same time, and God hears us all. And, and so, Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're here. You said where two or more are gathered. Uh, you are there in their midst. And, Father, there's no place we can go that you're not there. So we recognize your presence. We request your participation so that we can receive your help, your guidance, that we would be able to walk out, be guided in the best path for our lives. And so, Father, right now we thank you for your word that goes forth, that brings liberty, that heals, that causes us to experience revelation and transformation. Father, we thank you for your spirit that would guide us today to recognize and receive what you're speaking to us personally and practically and powerfully. That, Father, we could stay in step with you, on track with you, and learn more of you. We thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. So, Holy Spirit's our guide. We, we, we found that out in the scripture that says that when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. We know that in John 14, uh, he's called the helper. And as I, I was thinking about this this week, something came back to me um, that was really helpful to me to recognize how it is that God wants to guide us. And um, years ago, Debbie and I lived in, in Denver, Colorado. Uh, and we had the opportunity to go up to some of the best skiing in the country on a regular basis. Debbie and I would go up at, uh, on occasion. I would go up more than she would. And, and uh, one, one time I was skiing and I was headed down a run. Uh, it was, it was going to be challenging for me. I'm not the greatest skier, but I wanted to be challenged some. I didn't want to break myself, but <laughs> I wanted to be challenged. And so I stopped at the top of the run and I looked down. And I, I was seeing all sorts of things that could become a problem and was trying to figure out my path through this so that I would be able to navigate the, the run and say, hey, you know what, I did it. I see Debbie at, at, at lunchtime and say, oh, guess what I went down? <laughs> well, you don't know how I went down it, but I went down it. And, and just before I was about to push off and start, I heard behind me, on your right. Now, I'd heard that before. 
And all of a sudden, this guy blew by me, big orange vest on. Right behind him was another guy with an orange vest on, and, and his orange vest said guide. The first skier's vest said blind skier. I just looked at him. I was like, oh, man. And then I listened, and I heard the guide calling out turns. Left? And, and giving him some information. And this guy was phenomenal. I was, I was just, I, I was so amazed. Because he made it down, and he was moving. And that stuck with me through the day. And later in the day, I was, I was waiting in, in line to get on the lift. And, and I saw these guys. They pulled up and uh, they're laughing and having a great time. And so I went over and I said, do you mind if I ask you a question? And they were great. They were, they were having a good time. They said, sure, what, what's your question? I said, man, how, how? I asked the, the blind skier, I said, how long have you been skiing? I, I've been skiing many, many years. And I lost my sight. And for seven years now, I've been skiing with him. And he was over here. <laughs> and, and the guide said, yeah, we've, we've been working together for seven years. And he said, it wasn't like this in the beginning. I needed to learn what his abilities were, how quickly he would respond. He had to learn how to trust me. And... They, they began to tell me all about this. And, and this week when I was sitting in my office, I asked him if I could follow him. And I, I got off the lift behind him and never saw him again. They took off. I couldn't, couldn't catch him. They were just so good. And I never saw him fall, hit a tree, hit a mogul or anything that, that he wasn't already prepared for where he could land and go which I'm sighted and I have trouble. And so this, this so amazed me. And, and this week when I was sitting in my office and just praying and, and just listening for God, he reminded me of this situation and how this was so much like us. And I understand. I think every one of us here has, has our sight, but we're really, compared to God, we're really blind. We can't see what God sees. We don't know what God knows. And we have this guide. He's not behind us. He's in us. And he's there to guide us in all different types of terrains, all different types of situations. And he knows the best path. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows our abilities and our capabilities. The challenge comes is, how much are we going to trust his guidance? Are we going to trust when he tells us and advises us this is the direction to go? Because the moment we don't, you know, the moment that blind skier, if he didn't trust his guide and decided, you know what, I'm not sure that's right. I'm going to take off and I'm going to go this way instead of this way. could have ended up in the trees. And it wouldn't have been the guide's fault. And it's the same thing with us. I see that so clearly that I'm just like that situation where God is there to guide me. He can see better than I can. He knows everything about me. He's going to guide me in the best path. 
why won't I trust him? Why do I second guess him? And it's because I don't know him. They were telling me that it took a couple of years for them to really get to the place where they were in sync. The skier really trusted the guide. The guide was able to anticipate how the skier was going to react to certain things and, and guide him through this stuff. And it was, it was just amazing. And so we have this guide. We have a guide to bring us along the best path for life. And we have to choose to listen to him. We have to choose to take his advice because if not, the going is going to get rough. And we've been learning about how this guide, how Holy Spirit, the helper, helps us. And he, we looked at how he helps us know what we need to know because there are things that you and I don't know that we need to know in times that Holy Spirit can give us that, that knowledge. But just like the skier, you've got to recognize because, you know, on the slopes, everybody wasn't quiet. There was all sorts of noise, and the skier was able to pick up and recognize and receive the information from his guide because he knew his guide's voice. You got to know God's voice. The Bible says you and me as his sheep know the voice of the good shepherd. Well, it's really the voice of Holy Spirit in us. He guides us and helps us know what we need to know. We also found out Holy Spirit helps us know where we need to go because, you know, just like the skier, you can get out of bounds and get into a whole heap of trouble. We've got to stay where God has for us to stay. And, and he'll, he'll help us know where we need to go. And we also found out Holy Spirit helps us know what we need to say because there are things we, we need to say and there are things we don't need to say. Just saying. All right? And, and today we're going to look at one thing, one last thing about what he'll help us to know. And please recognize that this isn't an exhaustive list. This is just some information that we need to see that if Holy Spirit will help us and guide us and help us to know these things, he'll help us to know whatever it is we need to know to be able to walk in what he's planned and prepared for us. But this last one today that we're going to look at is he helps us know what to and how to pray. This is critical. Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer. The scriptures tell us that we as Christians should pray without ceasing. And yet, oftentimes, prayer is one of the things that kind of falls short in a Christian's life until the bottom falls out. And then we do these flare prayers. God, help me. And once we get through that crisis, we go back to doing it on our own. But God wants us to be ever connected in prayer. It's not always talking. It's, it's many times as much or more listening than it is talking. But today we're going to talk about, we're going to learn how Holy Spirit helps us know what and how we need to pray. Uh, because truth is, we all think we know what we need to pray for, but what we think we know is not always what we need. God is so good, he doesn't give us everything we ask for. <laughs> You're like, why is he good that way? Because we're kids. There's no parent I know that really loves their child that gives them everything they ask for because we know children ask for things that are not always good for them. 
And God doesn't always give us what we ask for because it may not be good or it may not be best for that time. And so we, we need to realize that, that we need help. You know, in Proverbs in two places, Proverbs is the book of wisdom. In two places in Proverbs, chapter 12, uh, or chapter 14, verse 12, and chapter 16, verse 25, it tells us there's a way that seems right or best for us whose end is the way of death. And so we can't even trust us, but we can always trust God. And so today we're going to look at how we can trust Holy Spirit, how we can be guided by Holy Spirit. Even James, uh, James, the, the half-brother of Jesus, in chapter 4, verse 3 in the CEV says this, When you do pray, your prayers are not answered because you pray just for selfish reasons. Sometimes our prayers are just so self-centered. Now, when, when we realize that, we can make some adjustments. Now, is it selfish to pray for healing? Is it selfish to pray for a job? No. But here's what we have to recognize. If I'm praying for healing, when the healing comes, when, when I ask for the healing, I believe I receive it, when it's finally manifest, what do I do with the healing I got? Does it enable and empower me to walk more fully with God or do I take it and use it to go do whatever I want to do? See, that's selfish. If I'm praying for healing so I can just do what I want to do, that's very self-centered. And we need to make that adjustment. It doesn't mean we can't ask for it, but we've got we've to look beyond ourselves. And uh, so just for selfish reasons. The voice says it this way, when you do ask, you still don't get what you want because your motives are all wrong because you continually focus on self-indulgence. Now, I don't know about you. I just know about me. I know that a lot of my prayers initially in my walk with Christ and when I, when I get fleshy can be very self-focused, what I want, what I need, what I think I ought to have. And that's never a good thing because God said, I'll supply all your needs according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I don't have to be so focused on it. I can thank him for it. I can ask for it, but when I, once I ask, I don't badger him for it. I just thank him because I believe that I receive when I ask. That's what the Bible says we're supposed to do when we pray. But we need help. We need help because we don't always know what to do. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, uh, in the New King James and in the message, uh, it says this, likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. That weaknesses is about being powerless or strengthless, and we, compared to God, are weak. For we don't know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, that, that phrase, with groanings that can't be uttered, well, then, then you can't hear them. Well, it's groanings. But that's not the best translation. When, when you read in the original and you study this out, um, it, it indicates that it is random talking with sounds too profound for words. Now, this is, this is talking about something we're going to get to that is a real hot button with some Christians. It's a real dividing point, and it shouldn't be because it's the Bible. And, and God won't force any of this on us but we can have whatever we'll believe we can have. And so random sounds, talk, random talking with sounds too profound for words. Now, 
as I, I thought about this, I thought about how many times I've been in other countries and people talking all around me. It sounded random. And they weren't words to me. They were just sounds. And yet they were communicating. There was something that was being conveyed through that. I was just unaware of it. And in the message translation, it says this, I think. Yeah. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in, wait, in the waiting. How many of you have gotten tired waiting at times? I think I've got three up. So, uh, God's spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs and aching groans. Man, I don't always know what to pray for. I don't always know how to pray. I don't think any of us could actually say with real honesty, I always know what to pray for. I always know how to pray. No, we get to those places where, oh, and yet this says Holy Spirit, the helper, will help us in those times. I need help. And the Bible says if we'll humble ourselves, God will, will lift us up. He'll give us more grace. So, wordless sighs, aching groans, Praying in the spirit, praying in tongues, praying in a prayer language. Now, this is the thing that, that's really difficult for some people. It was difficult for me because when I grew up, I, I learned a lot of the things I learned about the Bible initially over in the First Presbyterian Church. In the basement there, that's where we had our Sunday school classes. And I was very grateful for what I learned there. And as I grew, you know, I didn't always go to church and, and do all the things I had been taught to do, but I finally got back into it, and, and Debbie and I, after we got married, ended up going to a Presbyterian church. And, you know, I never heard, never heard anything really much about the Holy Spirit, about a prayer language, about being guided and governed, praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues. And until my parents called us and told us about what they had experienced here in Rome. And Debbie and I talked and we said, oh, you know what? Uh, we'll be up. Because we were going to get them out of the cult they were in. And all the deception that was, was they were just being spoon fed. And to their credit, they never said, well, we're right, you're wrong. What they said was, you know what, you need to read your Bible. Now that initially, I'm going to be absolutely honest with you. I wanted to say, I've read my Bible, it's not in there. Because I read all the stuff that I was being taught at church. But I had never read the Bible for myself completely. And so that was a challenge and I, I took my parents up on it. I began to read my Bible and I found out that this was in there. And I, we went to our pastor and said, why, 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 why don't we hear about this? He said, we don't do this. Our pastor was a really good man. Our pastor loved God. But he, he explained to us that in seminary he had a roommate that had believed in being filled with the Spirit, speaking in tongues, and, and he just kind of pushed back. He said, in, in this type of church, this is not what we do. 
And, and he began to cry because he said, I know it's real. And so we went, we went on this, this search, Debbie and I did, and on a Christmas Eve on Beach Street here in Rome, I got filled with the Spirit, with a prayer language, and my life radically, radically changed. I, I had a hunger for the Word like I had never had before. I wanted to read. I wanted to study. I wanted to know everything I could about the Bible and about God. I had a greater and deeper compassion for people. I wanted to help them come to know God. I had a hunger to have a relationship with God, even though I had already been saved. But this just ignited this desire to make this relationship real. And, and it's been growing since then. In 1 Corinthians 14, 14, the Apostle Paul writes this to the church at Corinth. And he says, for if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. And I think this is one of the big things. It, it caused me to struggle, caused a lot of people to struggle, that when we pray in tongues, our spirit is praying, but we don't understand. And, and many times, I want to understand. I want to understand before I do something. And I think that's not uncommon for all of us, that we, we want to understand, but we need to recognize that we're not going to understand everything, especially with God. But we don't have to because everything God does is good. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. And also realize that in our lives, in your life and my life, in your life, and my life and our lives, we don't understand everything we do. I don't understand how a microwave works. I use it because I know enough about how to use it. I don't know how a car works, but I use a car. I get the benefit of a car even though I haven't built a car, I haven't fixed a car, I have put gasoline in the car. But that's all I know. I have a little limited bit of knowledge. But I am willing to take action with it so that my life benefits from it. It's the same thing with God. Same thing with God. I don't understand what I'm saying. But the Spirit is directing you to pray. And, and how is, what, what, well, if I don't know what I'm saying, how can I trust what I'm saying? Because we trust Holy Spirit. He's the spirit of truth. He's the spirit of grace. He's the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And if he's guiding us, those are the things that he's guiding us to pray for. Truth, life, grace. Man, that's, that's really good instead of us praying what we think ought to happen. In Romans chapter 8, verse 27, we read this. The Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. So when you and I are praying in the Spirit, when we're praying in tongues, God knows what we're saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's will. Wow. 
in harmony with God's will. You know, the one thing I think all of us as Christians we want, when we pray, we want to pray what God wants. Just like Jesus in the garden. Not my will, but your will be done. We should have that same perspective, that same desire. I want God's will. But I don't know about you. All I know is about me. I don't always know what God's will is. Because there are things that, that remember we read that? I, I shared that scripture with you from Proverbs. There's a way that seems right to man whose end is death. There are things that I'm going to pray for. I'm thinking they're right, but they're not what God wants. You know, I've had people call me and say, would you pray? Yeah, what are you believing for? I want to know what scripture you're standing on. Because I, I, I'm not agreeing with you. Listen, prayer of agreement isn't with just each other. It's with us agreeing with God. That's when prayers are answered. When we're agreeing with God, when I come into agreement with you, it's about what God has said he'll do. That's why we've got to know what the word says. Because without faith, without the word of God, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I got nothing to stand on. I've got nothing to really wrap my faith to and, and lay my faith on that will stand the test of time. God watches over his word to perform it, not over my desires. And so that's why that's, that's ultimately important. But when you pray in harmony with God's will, you can be assured God's going to work it. Now, you may not be assured of the time frame. But there are times people have asked me to pray. Pray, pray for, uh, for me to get a job. Is a job bad? No. The Bible says if you don't work, don't, you don't eat. So we need, to, we need to be working, and I was willing to pray. But one of the things that happens is sometimes we're praying for things, wanting what we want because we want that. But the very thing that we prayed for and we get is used by the enemy to draw us away. I've watched people that I've prayed with and prayed for to get jobs and see that job subtly and slowly become more prominent and pronounced in their life and become the priority of their life where the things of God start to fall aside. Now, does that mean that job wasn't God's will? I don't know. I don't know. But I, I am tending more to pray in the spirit for people because you pray in harmony with God's will. I can't beat that. And so I can be assured of that. The Passion Translation says, in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. Wow. I don't want to fill, fulfill some other destiny. I want to fulfill God's destiny. That's what we were created for. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your efforts. Don't waste your resources. I'm just doing something that looks good. I want to do what God created me to do. And the only way that's going to happen is if I'm guided by the Spirit of God. The New Life Version says it this way. Holy Spirit prays for those who belong to Christ the way God wants him to pray. We're praying the way God wants us to pray. If... if you, Someone you know and you love and you care about and you want to do good for comes to you and asks you to do something you want to do for them, how hard is it to do? 
How, how much convincing has to go on? No, you want to do it. When we go to God with his will, we're asking him to do what he wants to do. Man, he's going to do it. There's no guesswork in that. There's agreement in that. There's power in that. 1 Corinthians 14, 15. So we've read 1 Corinthians, uh, or I'm sorry, Romans 26 and 27, and then 1 Corinthians 14, and now we're reading 15. I'll remind you what was in 14. Uh, it says, for if I pray in tongues, my spirit prays, but I don't understand what I'm saying. So 15, the Apostle Paul writes and says, well, then what shall I do? What shall I do? There's a choice here. What do I do? And then he tells us, I will. Is that a choice? Is that a decision? When you do something, I will. I will this. This is what I will do. He says, I will pray in the spirit, what we're talking about, and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the spirit, and I will also sing with words I understand, in words I understand. So he says, I'm going to pray in the spirit. I'm going to pray with words I understand. I'm going to sing in the spirit. I'm going to sing with words I understand. Now, if the apostle Paul said, I'm going to do both, who are we to say, I'm only going to do half? I only knew half of that. I don't know about you. I don't need half. I need it all. If the Apostle Paul needed it and God was able to use him in the way he was used, I want it all. And that's what drove me to this place where I studied and I read these things and, and I saw the Spirit of God guiding me towards something I had a pushback on. Because of what I had been told, because of what I had heard because of what I had believed instead of what I had read in the Bible. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, nobody has to do anything different than what you're doing. But if you want all God has for you, read the Bible for yourself. Determine what it is because I'm sharing scriptures with you, but you've got to determine what you're going to choose. You know, God said in Deuteronomy 30, I set before you a choice today. Life or death, blessings or cursings. Oh, that you choose life. And this is how you choose. You love God. You obey him. And you commit yourself firmly to him. This is how you choose life. What are we going to do with this? You know, he says, I'll, I'll pray with my, in the spirit, I'll pray in words I understand. And sometimes we have, and I did, I did. When I was, when I was reading and learning and when I was about to receive uh, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, I had a perception, I had an expectation. We all do, whether we realize it or not. And my expectation was that God was going to come in and just start to move my mouth. Right? I would just be another puppet. But is that the way God does other things? Does God make us do anything ever? No. And if God is guiding us by the helper to know what we need to know, so there's 
an offering of the knowledge we need in that moment. But what do we, what's our part? What's our part when we're, we're being offered the knowledge that God gives us that we need to know? We've got to receive it, and then we've got to act on it. Take whatever action is corresponding to it, right? And if we're going to be guided by Holy Spirit to know where we need to go, God imparts the understanding of where we need to go, but who's going to get us there? How are we going to get there? Is God going to miraculously just lift us up and fly us over there? He did it with Philip. You need to read that. That was a couple of weeks ago. I didn't get into it. But he's not going to necessarily do that with you. You're going to walk it out. You're going to make effort to get to where God has for you to be. You're, that's our part. We've got a part. This is a partnership. God does his part. You do your part. I do my part. If it's to say what we need to say, God reveals what needs to be said, then is God going to just speak through us? No, he's going to cause us, by faith, we're going to step out in something that is a little uncomfortable, a little unsure, but it's we're believing, God, this is what you have for us to do, and so we're going to speak what you have for us to speak. We're going to use our diaphragm. We're going to use our tongue. We're going to use our lips. We're going to use our jaw, and we're going to speak what God has shown us we need to speak. And it's the same way with praying. He's not going to flap our lips. We have to choose by faith to take action because faith is an action. The Bible says faith without works is dead. So there's always, when we're in faith, and faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things what? Anybody remember? Not seen. So we don't necessarily see it, but we believe it before we see it, and because we believe it before we see it, we take action as if we have it. And I will tell you for me, and that's all I know is me. I've heard from other people, but I know me. I know that when, when I got filled with the Spirit, when I received the prayer language, when I was being guided by the Spirit of God in, in how to pray in the Spirit, man, it was uncomfortable. It was foreign. It seemed foolish. And it was something I had to do by faith, honestly, for three years almost daily until I got to the place where I was able to push back the, the accusations of the enemy that I was just being deceived and I was stupid because I had to go back to the word, go back to the word. Because the Bible says that this was not just for a select few. This was for those that are as far off as are called. Jesus said to the disciples, you're going to be witnesses, but you can't be witnesses for me until you receive power from on high. We're all here to be witnesses. We still need that power. We need that person. We need that power. So we pray the perfect will of God. When, when we're guided by Holy Spirit in praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues, but there are also other benefits, and we see this in Jude chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, or just 20 and 21 because there's only one chapter in Jude. But it says this in the message, but you, dear friends, carefully build yourselves up in this most holy faith. I don't know about any of you here, any of you at home, 
where you are in your faith, I know my faith needs to be built. I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where I could be. And so there's, there's development, there's building that needs to happen, and I can't do it all on my own. And so this tells me, carefully build yourselves up in this most holy faith by, now it's going to tell us how this happens, by what? Praying in the Holy Spirit. I'll, I'll ask you again. By what? Praying in the Holy Spirit. So this is, this is so important to us continuing to develop properly the way God has for us to develop our faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. And look at the next part. Staying right at the center of God's love. Two things you and I need as Christians every day. We need to have our faith built up. We need to be operating in faith because if we're not operating in faith, we're operating in fear or foolishness. And neither one of those are going to come across real well. We have to operate in faith. But faith, the Bible says, works by love. And love never fails. God is love. And if we're in the center of love, we're right where God has for us to be. There's no better or safer place. And there is one thing that this world needs to see like nothing else. And that is God's love in God's people. Revival. We know that, that the return of the Lord is coming. And we think, oh, this revival, this revival, it's already started. I've talked to people that, that are in ministry on different continents, in different countries, and there is a work that God's doing that is amazing. God's doing it in this country. But I, I was talking to Jason Laws about he, he works in predominantly hostile countries to Christians in the Middle East, and he was saying of the revival that's happening among the Muslims that it is unprecedented. And so this, this is happening. But what's, what's necessary is that we as God's people would be prepared and present and walking with him, guided by him and governed by him and guarded by him, that Holy Spirit would be able to give us the knowledge we need to know, show us where we need to go, help us know what we need to say, and then how to pray. And stay in the love of God. Because the one thing that will never end, that will never give out and will never fail, people can't resist the love of God. I'm not talking about the love of the world. The love of the world is nothing like the love of God. The love of God, God loved us when we didn't love him. When we were dead in our trespasses and sins, God gave everything good. And so love in, in the character of God, the character of love is sacrifice. Giving up of oneself for the betterment of another. And I'll tell you right now, until we walk in the love of God, we're never going to be willing to give up ourselves for somebody else. Because love esteems others as more valuable than themselves. And until we allow 
Holy Spirit to help us be built up by praying in the Spirit, built up in our faith and built up in our love, we're always going to rescue us and choose us over somebody else. And God has for us to be willing to have his will done in our lives, just like Jesus in the garden. Father, not my will, your will be done. Who did Jesus go to the cross for? What did Jesus get out of the cross? He got a joy of seeing us saved. But he got a whole lot that was very challenging to the point where he said, Father, if this can pass away, let it pass away. But not my will. He was being guided by the Spirit of God to choose the Father, to walk where he had for him to walk, to say or not say what he had for him to say or not say, to know what he needed to know, and to be able to pray the way he needed to pray. We all need this. We all need this because it's not going to happen without it. It goes on to say, staying right in the center of God's love, this is the unending life, the real life. This is what it's all about. God wants real life going to you, but going through us to those around us. It's the only way they're going to come to know God. They can't see God, but they're going to see him in you. Because love, life, God's will, God's ways, God's character, God's nature is rising in us. And we're decreasing. John the Baptist said, I must decrease that he must increase. Speaking about Jesus. Same is true for our lives. Staying in the center of God's love. Luke chapter 11, verse 9 through 13. We're going to quickly go through these, but um, Jesus is speaking. He says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given, given you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? Now, all of them knew the answers to that. But then he says something really, really explosive. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Now, do you think any of those right there thought, I'm an, an evil parent? You know, there might have been one or two, but most, we think we're good parents. And we're not evil as evil is, you know, in the enemy's camp. But compared to God, we're evil. So this is making this comparison. That's why he's saying, you being evil. Compared to God, we look like we're evil. But he says, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? See, this is, again, you, you and I need to realize God's not going to force anything on us. When we receive Christ as our Savior, Holy Spirit comes to reside in us. But he'll only guide us when we allow him that place to fill us and direct us. And we have to invite him to do that. We have to choose to let him do that. 
When the Bible tells us we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's speaking about the fact that we have to be continuously overflowed. And in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, we find this here. And it's just, it's kind of a drop the mic end of it. This is what we need to know. It says, don't be unwise. There's not a one of us here, not any of you at home that wants to do anything unwise because we know the result of an unwise choice. There's a price to pay. It says, therefore, don't be unwise. Understand what the will of the Lord is. This is God's will. This is what God has for everyone because God has for you to experience abundant life. God wants to guide you on the best path for your life. And that's a choice. God's going to do his part. We have to do our part. And in this moment, we see, we can understand what the will of the Lord is. And then he says, and do not be drunk with wine, which is in dissipation. But, but, this is connecting, know what the will of the Lord is. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. The first time, in the Bible, people were filled in the, with the Spirit was in the book of Acts. And throughout the book of Acts, when people, there are four places in the book of Acts where people were filled with the Spirit, and every one of those places, people spoke with other tongues. Now, I understand. You may not like it. You, you may have been taught something different. You, you may have a pushback on it. But realize, it's a choice. If you ask... God will give you the Holy Spirit. If you don't ask, he won't force it on you. But when it says, be filled with the Spirit, that is a specific phrase in the Greek original wording. And that phrase is a present continuous tense. Now, I'm not that smart. I read people that are that smart. And that's what they say. But what it means is, it's something that, is always happening and continuing to happen in your life. Because when we're filled with the Spirit, when we're, when we're giving out, when we're praying for people in the Spirit, when we're giving wisdom that we're being guided by the Spirit, we're giving out to other people. How many of you know if you give out, there needs to be a replenishing? It's kind of like water. Statistics tell us that most people are partially dehydrated. And if I say, well, you know, I had a drink of water last Sunday. I may take a drink of water this Sunday. My level of dehydration is going to increase. It's not going to be what, what my body needs. And I'm, I'm looking at Tim, who knows all about this stuff, and I don't. And if, if I'm wrong on this, correct me. But when, when we become more and more dehydrated, our organs don't work well. Is that correct? Okay. We don't think clearly. We can't, we can't function physically really well. That's good. Thanks, Tim. But, but it's the same way with the Spirit of God. If I was filled and I haven't continued to be filled, I'm in essence Holy Spirit dehydrated. I'm, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to function well. I'm not going to think well. I'm not going to act well. 
I, I, I'm not going to be able to sustain the life. The life in me isn't going to be able to be sustained the way it could be if I'm not continually being filled, building myself up on my whole, most holy faith, keeping myself in the love of God by praying in the Spirit, by being guided by the Spirit, by being governed by the Spirit. And again, God doesn't withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly. God's given everything that pertains to life and godliness. But we stand at the gate and determine what we're going to let in and what we aren't. And I would encourage you, I would encourage you to do what the Bible says. Ask him. Ask him to fill you with his spirit. And then you've got the part. If you ask in faith, if you don't ask in faith, don't, don't, don't even ask. But if you ask believing that you're going to receive, then the Bible says that when you ask, you receive. And then you have to take that step of faith. You need to begin to pray. Speak in a language that's not familiar with you. A couple of weeks back, I shared with you when we were in Israel and how we had gone down in an amphitheater and we just decided we were going to sing in the Spirit. And our guide, Ephraim, who spoke seven different languages, pulled our pastor aside afterwards and he said, you know, you have a very unique group here, very knowledgeable. I heard them praising God in seven different languages that I know and there were some I don't know. And he said, no, they, they aren't that good. <laughs> they were just singing in the Spirit. You know, we didn't know what we were singing. We don't know what we're saying. But we believe that the Spirit of God is directing us by faith and stepping out. You're going to struggle. Wondering, is this real? Is this true? Is my, am I just being duped? Am I just crazy? But let me, let me just share one last thing. When I got filled with the Spirit, I had all those questions, all those battles in my mind. And for three years, every day driving to work and many times driving home from work, I would pray in the Spirit, do what I knew to do. And I finally just said, God, I, I want to believe. I'm trying to believe. I guess I'll never know for sure until I get to heaven outside of what your word says, which should be enough. But I'm going to do it. I see it happen in the Bible. I see what Paul says. I see what Jesus says. I'm just going to do it. And if I get to heaven and I find out I was, I was mistaken, then I know you'll forgive me. But if I get to heaven and find out that this is really true and I've been doing it all this time, then I've been doing what you want. And I'd rather inconvenience me and feel foolish for a little while and do what you have instead of not doing what you have so that I can please you by stepping out in faith. I don't know if that makes any, any sense to you or any difference to you, but it did to me. And what that did for me was in that moment, in that time, it wasn't that the thoughts stopped the battle of this is ridiculous, you're just being dumb. That didn't stop. 
Well, what happened was it didn't matter anymore, which made all the difference to me. Like every head bowed, every eye closed. And I just want to encourage you today. This all begins because of a choice we make to recognize who Jesus is, that he He's the Son of God. He came to earth and lived a sinless life and went to the cross to pay the price for, for your sin, my sin. But it's not just recognizing that. It's doing something about it, adding our faith to it and repenting, turning our lives over to him and trusting ourselves to him as we receive him to be our Lord, to be our master, to govern us, to guide us. And the way he does it is through his spirit who resides in us. And if you've never done that today, I want to pray with you. And I just ask you to just repeat this prayer with me. We're all going to pray together. A prayer of, of repentance and receiving Christ. Let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus who came to the earth, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, and was raised in victory. Today, Lord Jesus, I recognize you as my Savior, as my Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life from this day forward. I am yours. You are mine. Guide me. Guard me, govern me by your spirit for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.